Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. Sometimes, and I'm always come back to the truth, and the truth of the matter is, no matter what I feel, no matter what I think, no matter what my emotions are telling me, God is still good. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. That is a good reminder of what God is doing for us. I want you to turn in your copy of God's Word to Acts chapter 20. Uh, Acts chapter 20. Uh, we're going to look at <clears throat> the next to the last, the ninth of ten resurrections in the Scripture. We are on this series that I normally have been doing on Sunday mornings. I, as I mentioned this morning, I, I wanted to talk about Isaiah 53 this morning, so that's why I did that. I believe that, believe that was the right thing to do. Um, this passage, and, and <laughs> it's an interesting story of resurrection. I believe that this is a resurrection. <clears throat> all the other resurrections, they certainly point to the comfort that God provides, all those kinds of things and the, all of that. But this resurrection, I think, is my opinion for what it's worth it's for the church it's a comfort and a, an encouragement to the church kind of a funny there's some funny things in it too as you'll read it we'll read it together and i want you to pay attention to the way the story unfolds because i believe that brother luke as he was sharing this story to be written down i believe that he thought it was a little bit funny too you just listen to what he's got to say here in luke chapter 20 and you'll hear how the story unfolds. I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts 20, and we're going to look at verse 7. We're going to read down to verse 12. It's a pretty, little short little passage here, uh, but it's uh, kind of packed with information. So let's, uh, let's begin reading Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. Here's what the Scripture tells us. It says, Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, I ain't never heard a preacher do that, have y'all? As Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. And Paul went down and fell on him, and embracing him, said, Trouble not yourselves, for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again, and had broken bread, and eaten, and talked a long while, even till day, break of day, so he departed. And they brought the young man alive, and were not a little comforted. Let's pray together, and then we'll listen to what the Lord has to say in this passage. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, please use your word to comfort your people. You comforted this church, this, this, uh, this meeting in an early church through the resurrection of a young man. Please comfort us through the resurrection of our Savior. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
In verse 7, you see these people had gathered together for a church service. That's really all this is. It's a Sunday service. Now you say, well, why were they meeting at night? Well, part of the reason they were probably meeting in the evening was, uh, well, they were working people. They had to work during the day, and they didn't really get Sundays off like we do. Uh, so Sunday was just a regular work day. So what they probably did was after the work day was done, after they got, they got together, it talks about them breaking bread, uh, two ways to look at that, and I believe both of them are actually uh, fair and, and, and appropriate in this. Uh, one is they might have eaten a meal together, actually gathered together and ate a meal together. But there's also, I think, that what's also suggested there is that they would have uh, taken the Lord's table together, the Lord's supper together, broke bread in that way, the, bro the body and the blood of Christ through the bread and the, and the juice. I think they would have done that. So they're celebrating communion together. They're worshiping together. This is their Sunday service. On You see that the first day of the week. They're meeting together. And Paul has preaching. It says there his speech was continued until midnight. So he preached till midnight. Any way you look at it, he preached a long time. I don't know what time they got off work, but I can guarantee you it was probably a little bit earlier than 10 or 11. I am sure he was preaching for a couple. In fact, I think it said there uh, that he had been preaching for, uh, well, it says long preaching, but he's probably been preaching for a couple hours. It wouldn't be surprising. If you think about it, it's actually not, not out of the way. I mean, good gracious, if we had the Apostle Paul to come here, first of all, I would sit down. I'd let the Apostle Paul preach, and I'd listen to him for quite a while. It kind of reminds me of when I got a chance to go and visit over in Africa um, with my dad and go visit some of those churches over there. And I know how I preach. I, I'm, I'd like to say I I'm, I'm definitely want to be faithful to the Scripture, but I'm not the most you know, enthralling preacher that ever was. And, but those men and women over there, they could listen to me preach for hours. And I don't know why that is. Not because I'm so good, because it wasn't just me as anybody that would come. There's some people that are like that, that just really want to absorb it. And I think Paul was one of those kind of preachers that he was really an enthralling preacher as well. But it says there in verse 8 that they're sitting up here, and we could tell by, in verse, excuse me, in verse 9 where it talks about they're on the third loft. So they're probably up a few stories up in the air, about three stories up in the air. And uh, they're up in there, and it says there in verse 8 that there's a, these, uh, these um, lights that are in that upper chamber. They needed light because it was dark outside for sure, but they are also not lights like we have in here, electricity. They didn't have that, of course. These were lights that were burning. They were burning. They probably had some odor to them. They definitely were sucking some of the oxygen out of the room. They were burning all that up. So there's a, what I'm trying to tell you by telling you that is it was pretty conducive to going to sleep. And not only is it nighttime, but you got these lights up there that are probably like just making you just a little bit more sleepy uh, than you might have been. Of course, in verse 9, we're introduced to a young man named Eutychus. Eutychus, I mean, just sitting there trying everything he's got in him, but he's like some of, some of us. And definitely some of our young people that just can't get enough sleep. I don't know why it is. Uh, my house, it seems like we've got two teenagers, and they just seem like they can't get enough sleep. And uh, that's how probably Eutychus was. He's just sitting there. He talks about in there he did. He sunk down with sleep. So have you all ever seen people fall asleep in church? I have to admit, I get to see that happen every now and again, standing from this vantage point. But it's one thing if you see some people standing there that are sort of nodding off like this. That's one thing. But some people go all into it. They're just all laying out and just sprawled out because they just are so sleepy, and they go into it. Well, that's Eutychus. He's just, he's just slumped down. He is, he's not even trying to keep his head upright. He is just slumped down into it. But it, sounds, it says there that he, he was sitting there. Um, it looks like he was sitting in a windowsill, probably sitting there kind of propped up. 
And he finally kind of gives way so much that he actually falls out that window, falls three stories down, and it says there that when he fell down that he was taken up dead, last part of verse 9. Verse 10 tells me that Paul goes down, and he goes and he falls on Eutychus. And that, that, that image that happens there, it's, it's very, and I think purposefully, uh, reminiscent of what Elijah and Elisha do to those young boys whenever they are dead. They physically cover them, and I think that is a, a nice symbol. And I won't, won't spend a lot of time on that, but a nice symbol of what Christ did when he died on the cross. He covered us, and because he covered us, we are resurrected through him. And I think there's some, some symbolism that's there, but he goes and covers the boy with his body, and then he assures them. He says, listen, the life is in him. Uh, don't mistake what Paul's saying here. He's not saying that he just got the wind knocked out of him. He's not dead. Some people would actually interpret it this way, but I don't believe that Luke would have spent the time telling us the story if Eutychus had just fallen out a window and went unconscious for a few minutes. He actually died. That was the point of the story. And even Paul is saying, listen, there's life in him now, now that I have revived him, that the Lord has allowed me to bring him back from the dead. But what I want to spend the time on and focus your attention on is those last two verses. After that incident happened, I mean, you could imagine that this was probably kind of a stir. I mean, I don't know if y'all have ever been in a service. I remember when we were at Freedom Baptist Church in Rural Hall for years, there were some times where you might have, there was a time or two, very rare, but it does happen where, you know, somebody has a sickness or something, somebody passes out or something in a service, and oh my goodness, I mean, the whole church, it just disrupts everything. And I know that that'll hap that would happen if it happened here at this church. If somebody was sitting on a pew and, you know, maybe they passed out or got a had a heart attack or something like that, it would be in a medical emergency and, and it would disrupt everything. So I could imagine the same thing probably would have happened here. It disrupted everything, but it, look what happens in verse 11. After all this is over, he says uh, that when he had come up again, so Paul comes back upstairs, they break bread and they eat. Pretend, the way I'm reading this is that they did that again. They actually had the Lord's Supper again. And then after that, they talk a long time even till the break of day, they stayed up talking all night long. And then go on to verse 12, after all this has happened, they are not a little comforted. They are comforted by all this. Now what I want to take your time to focus in on is what should have caused, under normal, regular circumstances, a panic, fear, sorrow. It turns into reason for these people to have communion, the breaking of bread once again. What should have been blame and anger. So why did you let him sit there? Who didn't put something, didn't close the window? I mean, I can imagine any number of reasons that somebody would have blamed somebody for Eutychus falling out that window. Paul, why did you preach so long? All these reasons that would have been blame and anger, it actually turns to apparently joyful conversation. At least if I'm staying there talking to you all night, I better enjoy something. We better be in enjoying. There's a joyful conversation. That gives them a reason to stay a little bit longer. What should have been a painful tragedy, you've got a young man who was probably, I mean, just like in our church, we have some young people and, and we would hate for anything to happen to them. And it would be a tragedy. And if we had hurt, even if they get hurt, I mean, when, when I know when John Mark had, had to go get his knees operated on, we were praying for him. I mean, that's, you can imagine the feeling that people would have had if a young man would have died in that church. That would have been terrible. But that is a reason that now turns into a noticeable comfort. Everybody seems to be happy, fulfilled after this incident. I bring this up because I think we, at this moment, are in a pretty similar kind of situation. 
there's, there's fear and panic and sorrow that are seizing a lot of people. Now, you might be one of these people that say, well, they ought not feel that way. Well, maybe they ought not. I don't know, but they sure do. And some of y'all that are listening to me, you feel that way. Whether you should or not, whether we ought to or not, it's a whole other matter. We are. We're panicked. We're fearful. We're sorrowful. There's others of us that are angry and blaming people. The president doesn't know how to do his job. The Chinese government's lying to us. Congress didn't pass that bill fast enough to give us relief. And some of us are even fussing, well, I can't believe they passed anything at all. Where are they getting that money from? The government's taking our rights away. People aren't listening to the government. There's so many people to blame. There's enough blame to go around. And let me just put it plainly to you. Wherever you fall out on what the right, the wrong, and the indifferent of it is, we have a real tragedy on our hands. We absolutely have a tragedy on our hands. So what took in Acts 20 a bad situation into one that turned into a comfort and joy? What happened there? What's that thing that changed it all? Well, it's clear what changed it all was a resurrection. It was a resurrection of a boy named Eutychus. Yes, it was. But I believe that these believers, they're in Acts chapter 20. That is not that far removed from the end of the Gospels. I mean, th this is, we're talking about a matter of probably months at this point, maybe not, definitely not many years at all, but probably a matter of months that's removed. So what is in their mind, which is why I think they might have had the Lord's Supper at least twice that evening, they have in their mind the resurrection of Jesus Christ back from the dead. In these people's minds, the resurrection of Jesus was real. And the resurrection of Eutychus was just another reminder that that was real. So it was a very real thing. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, these people enjoyed fellowship with their brothers and sisters. In verse 11, I've already mentioned this, that they broke bread. And I believe that's at least the second time that they broke bread, which again may have been a meal as well. But I believe at the center of this, because that's often how they would refer to the communion. This is the communion, the, the Lord's Supper, the bread and the, and the juice representing the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. They were going to celebrate this, all because they were reminded of the resurrection of Jesus they were reminded of that. They were reminded when that boy came back to life, it, instead of them saying, well, thank you, Paul, I'm glad, let's go back to the house, they said, no, that reminds me why we're here. The whole reason that we exist as a family, as a body, is because Jesus was risen from the dead. You see, the body, the broken body, and the shed blood of Jesus is central for disciples of Jesus Christ. I don't think some of us really fully appreciate what I'm saying. I think we doctrinally understand it. You would agree with what I'm saying, but I want you to get it in your heart a little bit. We miss seeing each other. I know we do. I miss seeing y'all, those that are you that are not able to be with us, and we're having to social distance, and all. I hate that. I can't stand that. But, but, but I think we miss the point that a lot of us, whether we're churchgoers or not there may even be some that have come that are watching me now that don't normally go to church you're going to get back together with somebody because we're social creatures that's just how we are but a church when it gathers together if it doesn't have the cross at the center if the broken body and the shed blood of jesus is not at the center it's just another party it's just another gathering 
You might as well go watch somebody play basketball. You might as well just go watch, uh, might as well just come together and have a cookout together. It's no, it's no big deal. It's just another thing. But the church of Jesus Christ comes together, and we do gather, and we want to gather. It is necessary. It is important. That's why it's said in Hebrews 10, 25, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We want to be reminded. What are we reminded of? That we like each other? That we want to shake hands? That we want to give hugs? Is that what we're being reminded of? No. Those are extra. Those are on top of. That's the gravy, if you want to see it that way. That's the gravy. That's not the point. The point is that the cross is the center of who we are if we have at the center of our relationship our fellowship the blood and the body of jesus christ this gathering together is actually more important than you can imagine this is this becomes if you think about it that way if the reason that we gather together and the reason that we have fellowship together is because we can actually have communion at the table of our lord jesus christ we can participate in his broken body and his shed blood if we have that as our common denominator then the gates of hell can't stand against us the gates of hell can't even stand against us we can we can face anything that comes at us because we have and we are participating in the broken body and the shed blood of jesus christ we are not a church family, and I'm talking to McConnell Road Baptist Church. We are not a church family because we like each other. And by the way, for some of us, thank the Lord, that's not the reason because we wouldn't be a church family if that's what it counted on for some of you. But I want you to know that's not the reason that we're a church family. We're not, the, we're not a church family because we are alike each other. There's some of us that are so different from one another, it's not even funny. That's not the point. We're not supposed to all be the same. We're not the church or the family of Jesus Christ because we're nice to each other. We ought to love one another. We ought to be kind. Yes, we should. But because we're nice, that doesn't make us a family. It might make us friends, but it doesn't make us family. We're not even a family because we help each other. We are a family because we have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are a family because we have a connection through Jesus. We have fellowship through Jesus. The cross is the foundation of our fellowship. And I'd like for you, to, for this time that we're separated from each other, I'd like you to examine your relationships with people that you call your brothers and sisters. Why do you have that relationship? Is it because you like them? Is it because you have things in common? Again, nothing wrong with that, but if that is the foundation of your relationship, you are missing the point, and I would even dare say, you are missing the opportunity that you have with people who have a common thread of the blood of christ the blood and the body of christ is our connection is our foundation and one of the things i want to tell y'all right now and i don't think i'm gonna have any objection from anybody but when we're able to gather back together as a church family one of the things we will absolutely do is we will have the communion we will have the lord's table we will do that. Yes, we're going to hug if, that, if that's able to do. We're going to shake hands if we're able to do all that. We'll do all those things. That's, that's on the agenda for sure. But that's not the foundation of my relationship with any of y'all. My foundation of my relationship with you is the blood and the body of Christ. And we will participate in the communion around the, the Lord's table. That is important because that's who we are. That's who we are. We will celebrate that. Now, if you go on in verse 11, it says there that not only did they break bread and eat, it said they talked a long while, even till the break of day. <laughs> That's something else, ain't it? 
they're up there in verse 7 it says that paul's been preaching till midnight so we're talking about midnight already and they keep talking after that at least until what five or six o'clock in the morning when the sun comes up i don't know exactly what time probably about five or six in the morning they're sitting around talking for that long why in the world they've been there for a long time and they're going to stay there a lot longer because what they had just experienced was the resurrection of one of their own they had seen that boy dead and god gave him life and that reminded them of the resurrection of jesus christ brought them back to the bond that they have in christ the unity that they have in the spirit that spirit as it says in the scriptures bearing witness within them and the only reason that they have the Holy Spirit, the only reason that there's a bond between them is because Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and three days later came back to life. Without the Holy Spirit, if we did not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, Jesus will not be the center of our relationships. And if Jesus is not the center of our relationships, you know what our relationships are marked by? Bickering and fighting. And, and, and here's the bad news. Most of y'all know church relationships are marked by bickering and fighting. Now, what does that tell you? That tells you that the sinner is not the Holy Spirit, that the Spirit is not the one we're following, and therefore that Jesus is not the center of this. These people can't sit around talking till midnight. By the way, these people had to go to work in the morning. The next day wasn't a holiday. They're at church on Sunday night because they just got off work and then they stay all night through the next morning and I can guarantee you they didn't go home to go to bed. They might have got them a bite to eat and then they went to this job site, whatever that job happened to be. That was what these people were doing. So this was not just done because, oh, we ain't got nothing to do tomorrow. This was done because they had a bond in Christ. They had unity. They weren't fighting and they weren't bickering. Some of us, we actually look to avoid people we go to church with don't tell me you've never done that before. And if you think, <laughs> y'all can't, y'all ain't here to, to, to lie to me, so I'll just go ahead and assume that that's the way it is because I know how we are. We're not, we're not going to look to avoid people. We're actually going to, if we have that bond and that unity in the Holy Spirit, we're actually going to seek them out and try to spend time with them, find ways to enjoy their company. When you have the Holy Spirit, He provides unity, He points us to Christ. He points us to his mission for the church. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4. If you wanted to turn there, you can. Ephesians chapter 4 begins in verse 3 where he says that we should be endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. You see, the Spirit is already providing unity, but we're going to endeavor to keep that unity in the Spirit, in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who was above all and through all and in you all. Because Jesus rose back from the dead, yes, we have fellowship in the communion table. But we ought to have a little bit of fellowship in the conversations that we have. There ought to be some fellowship all based on built around the unity of the holy spirit again i can tell you just because i know my own, I, maybe i'm only speaking from my own experience but i imagine it's very similar to some of y'all's that the fellowship and the conversation i have with my brothers and sisters tends to look just like the fellowship and the unity i have with people in the world 
my coworkers, my, my, my people I, that I just meet on the street, that I bump into at the grocery store. Unfortunately, that is not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to have something different, the kind of something, again, it doesn't have to draw us together to talk all night every time, but it ought to be the kind of thing where if we could, we would. We ought to want to, to be with each other. But unfortunately, we're too drawn by our own personalities and our own desires, and we're missing the fact that it's not about me or you. It's about the unity of the Spirit pointing us to Christ. And if we're all pointing in the same direction, can you imagine how much fun we'll have talking together? The reason we don't is because we're not obedient to the Holy Spirit. When we do come back together, but can you use this little bit of time right now, church? Can you use this little bit of time where we're having to be apart? Can you use this little bit of time to, to commit to just enjoying each other? Yes, I know there's part of us that just enjoys because we, we just want the other human beings, and I get that. But can you try to commit right now to obey the Holy Spirit and have that communion, that conversation with one another, and look forward to that because of the bond that you have in Christ, because of the unity that you have in the Spirit? Would you commit to doing that now? And verse 12, after that young man is brought back to them alive, this phrase here is interesting, that they were not a little comforted. They were comforted by this. And I, again, I, I don't think it's by mistake that it's, it's pointing back to the comfort, the consolation that we get because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to read that to you, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Begin in verse 3, go down to verse 5, where Paul says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Now, before you go any further, if you think about what I've just said, if you were listening or maybe following along in your, in your copy of God's Word and you stop right there, you may say, well, because I went through a tough time or had a tough, difficult time and he encouraged me, that's what it means. There's something, to, there's something there with that. That's part of what he's saying. But it's based on something. It's ground in something, not just because you've got a good, warm feeling. It's ground in something factual, very actual, very truth-based. Look at what he says in the, ver the fifth verse. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Meaning that when you have that comfort, it comes from one place. The comfort that we have only comes because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. Our comfort only comes because when he died, yes, he was buried and he was in the grave for three days, but our comfort comes because he got out of that grave three days later. He got out of that grave and he victoriously overcame death, hell, and the grave. He ascended up into heaven. He is on the right hand of the Father right now and he is in charge of everything. I am comforted because my Jesus overcame the grave. I am comforted because I know that I have something to look forward to because of what Jesus has provided to me. I am comforted because he promised he's coming back. He is not, he is not gone forever. Yes, in the meantime, I'm here on this earth. He did promise, as Brother Bruce just said, he's got, we got a comforter with us. Absolutely. I have the comforter with me day by day. I don't ever, I am never without my Lord. He is with me. But he's promised one day that he would return. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, a trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then when we, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's awesome. That's something to look forward to. So much so that Paul had to put these next words in there by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I've said it before, and I only say this because I grew up in this stuff, and I know how this church stuff goes. Some of y'all are hearing these words about a rapture, about Jesus coming back, and there's a handful of us that get excited about it, and there's another handful of us that say, oh no, I hope it's not happening now. Paul is saying, this is a comfort to you. This is something to look forward to. When Jesus comes, everything that you think is wrong now, and you're right, it's wrong, he makes it right. Everything that's messed up now, and you're right, it's messed up now, he makes it right. When Jesus comes on the scene, when he comes back, it is a comfort to us because he is going to fix it all. Now, while we're still apart, and we are, some of us, maybe some more than others, but a lot of us, I think, are disturbed and distressed because of our current circumstances, Remember that your comfort is not in the gathering of God's people on its own. It's a comfort, don't get me wrong, it's a comfort to me. I know it's many a Sunday morning, many a Wednesday night, I'd come together with God's people and I would leave feeling better because of it. So don't get me wrong, there's something good there. But my comfort is not based on the gathering. My comfort is not based on having good friends that I can pour my heart out to. My comfort is based on one thing, in Christ alone but when we do come back together even then as right as the world might feel and we can imagine in our minds everything's gonna feel just so good when that happens we're just getting step closer to the real comfort our Lord Jesus Christ returning coming for us that's what we need to remember yes we're uncomfortable right now we're hurting right now we're worried we're we're scared, we're missing, if you're not worried about the current circumstances, some of you are missing loved ones who you wish could be with us. Uh, you, there may be a, no, a number of reasons we need comfort right now. But I want to remind you that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not a fairy tale, it's a real incident that has real implications in the real world, right now. And that, because the resurrection is real, that needs to drive you to enjoy fellowship with your brothers and your sisters, having communion because of the blood and body of Jesus Christ, having conversations with one another built around the unity and the bond of the Holy Spirit. We need to have comfort because he saved us from death and we will have a soon reunite, be reunited soon with our Lord, Jesus, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, there's too many of us that are too focused on the current calamity to see his miracle. I think that's what happens. I know I do. I'm just like Peter. Remember when Peter was in that boat and that storm was raging and Jesus said, you come on out to the water. I'll step out there because I'm supposed to have faith. Yes, Lord, I'm going to do what you say. But the minute I'm standing on the water, I don't see Jesus anymore. I just see the raging storm. 
And it, it's hard. I, I'm confessing to you, it's not an easy thing to stand there in the middle of a raging storm. But if we'll keep our eyes on the Lord, if we'll keep our eyes focused on Him, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, but we'll be reminded of the miracle that His God, that is Jesus Christ, is the resurrection of Christ, and we will be comforted. We will have communion, and it'll lead to some really good conversations. Unfortunately, too many of us are focused on what we don't have friend of mine I've mentioned to you before he has a very serious situation with cancer and um, I think right now he's doing okay but it's not the diagnosis is not any really any better he's just doing okay right now staying at home as you can imagine before any of the rest of us had to stay home he was staying home as he had to he made a comment the other day something I saw that he had written that a lot of people, and I think he's right, a lot of us are complaining about having to stay at home. I've heard many people complaining about having to stay at home with their children and this sort of thing. And I, and I understand where the complaints come from. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to fuss at you for it, but he made a good point. Here he is looking, I mean, very realistically at the end of his life. It's about to be over with. He said, if somebody would have told me this is how it was going to end, I would have probably quit my job a long time ago just to spend time with my kids and my grandchildren. And I think we need to quit worrying about what we don't have and understand the love that God has given to you. Now, again, maybe, maybe, maybe what you have to be grateful for is different than my friend, but this is the same. I can guarantee you there's not a person that's listening to my voice right now that hasn't been blessed beyond, beyond anything you deserve. God has given us so much. In the very least, even if he's given you nothing in this world, he has given you his own son to die for you. He has given you that, and not a one of us deserve it. And let me stop. Let Matthew Tilly stop being so focused on what I can't do, what I don't have, what I need, and what I want. Instead, and start paying attention to what the Lord has given me and actually enjoy a little bit of fellowship based on his shed blood his broken body enjoy a little bit of conversation based on the holy spirit that he has given me enjoy some comfort some measure of comfort because he has given me his son he is coming back one day let us enjoy that because the resurrection is real brothers and sisters it is real if it's not real by the way you better not sign on to another one of these messages for me for sure and i can guarantee you there ain't another preacher that you're going to listen to that's going to talk about anything else that's worth listening to so you might as well shut it off if this ain't real this is not worth your time but if it is real it changes everything it changes it all our savior is alive and yes it's hard. It's hurting. I understand that because I'm right there with you in a very different way maybe than some of y'all, but I'm right there along with you. But be comforted, brothers and sisters. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.